Good afternoon. If you lived in a different time, in a different lineage, you would be called Dharma Kings by coming out in this kind of weather. <laughs> I thought I would be the only one here this morning. So, uh, everyone gets a smiley face. I want to review the sutta that we talked about on Tuesday. Just to make sure everyone's clear, because it's, it's truly a key to making this whole practice very simple. And of course, we've heard from many different teachers and many different lineages or traditions about emptiness or voidness or selflessness. And it's really kind of hard to wrap our minds around, but I think that this sutta offers a a decoder for something that appears to be very mystical and unattainable that tells us how we can do it. So, again, the Sutta is called The Shorter Discourse on Voidness. And it starts out by Ananda coming to the Buddha and saying, did I, did I hear you say that you often abide in voidness? And the Buddha said to Ananda, of course, you are absolutely right. Your, your memory is not, not faulty. From my own lips, I too abide in voidness. And then he goes on to explain what this means or how, how we can facilitate it, how we can create this, this voidness, this emptiness, this selflessness. He says, just as this palace is void of elephants, cattle, horses, and mares, void of gold and silver, void of the assembly of men and women, and there is present only this non-voidness, namely the singleness dependent on the sangha of bhikkhus, so too a disciple or a meditator or yogi, not attending to the perception of village, not attending to the perception of people, attends to the singleness dependent on the perception of forest. His mind enters into that perception of forest and acquires confidence, steadiness, and resolution. Now this is the, this is the key, this is the simple understanding. He understands thus, whatever disturbances there might be dependent on the perception of village, the perception of village, those are not present here. Whatever the disturbances there might be dependent on the perception of people, those are not present here. Those disturbances are not present here because the people and the village is not present here. And what this helps us to do is to first of all develop the discipline to be mindful, to, to abide, to seek refuge in awareness, right? 
So we, we banter a lot about mindfulness, but what does mindfulness mean in a daily application of practice? It simply means being aware, being present, and being present with awareness. Right now in this, this truth of this moment. And so it means then that we are aware of not only what is present, but what is not present. And then as we understand that no matter how much fear we have of water, if we're not around water, if we're not in water, we can't drown. So therefore, we strike that off of our list of occupation or preoccupation. Because I say, well, I've got this really fear of water that I might drown, but I'm not in water. So I can strike that. I don't have to carry that with me. I don't have to focus on that because the danger is not here. Um, When we went into our five-year-old's bedroom when they were yelling at night because there was a monster in the closet, we didn't say to them that, oh, you big wuss, monsters can't hurt you. We didn't say that. What we did was we opened the closet door and turned the light on to assure them that no monster that they were worried about was present which means then that they could go back to sleep because now the monster that they feared was not in the closet. Well, what we learn is all of the monsters that we carry around with us, all of the fears that we carry around in our head that are really not present, that are really, there's nothing we can really do to deal with them because they are not in our present world. So therefore, if they're not in my present world, if they're someplace else, then why am I angsting about them? Why do, why do I carry this disturbance around with me? And this is what this suit is telling us. Being aware of what is present in your immediate environment, your, your, your world. Remembering your world is created by what? The six sense gates. That's your world. That's all your world is. Anything beyond that does not exist for you. It might exist in your mind, and this is what you're pointing yourself to, that all I'm worrying about only exists in my mind. It doesn't exist anyplace else in my, in my reality. Now, it might exist on the coast. It might exist in the Atlantic Ocean, but it does not exist where I am. So why am I carrying that fear with me? Because it is not present. The object is not present. When I begin to learn to live in and be present in the, in the awareness of the moment, I also am able then to realize something with wisdom and knowledge. And what is that? that what I'm aware of is not me. Okay, let's go back to something that might be a little clearer. 
The object is not the subject. The subject is what is aware. The subject is what sees. The subject is what hears. What I hear and see is not the subject. It is the object. So what I am aware of, I know is not me because that becomes the subject. Do you? Do you agree? Okay. So then, therefore, if I position myself, if I train myself to be anchored in mindfulness, anchored in awareness, anchored in present moment cognition, Everything that I'm aware of in that, everything that I see in that, everything that I hear in that, everything that I feel in that, is not me, whoever I am. But I know that these things, the breathing that I feel, the feeling that I feel, cannot be me because I feel it, cannot be me because I sense it, cannot be me because I hear it, cannot be me because I see it. And I begin to be able to disassociate from my attachments. And the more I'm able to let go of, the emptier I become. The less encumbered with things I become. Do you believe it? Does it make sense? Can you see or can you also remember having experiences and being disturbed by things that only existed in your mind? No place else. No place else were they real except in your mind. But you were very disturbed by that, very affected by that. So the teaching says these are the things that you can free yourself from. Yeah, there's much to be worried about perhaps, but why worry about the things that are not immediate to your existence and your reality? That means then that I eliminate Everything around me that disturbs me that is not available to me that I cannot change at this particular moment. Therefore, it leaves me with only what is with me in the present moment. And I find that my list becomes a short list. The things that I have to deal with, the things that I have to change, the things that I have to resolve, become a short list because I'm not creating things that do not exist around me. Which lets my burden be lighter. I'm not overwhelmed, I'm not overburdened by all that there is because there's only in my immediate reality very few things that are left. Politicians, nobody here is a politician. Is anyone here a politician? So all of the worry that we have about politicians, they're not here. (laughs) 
There is nothing that is not in my sphere of reality that can harm me. That's a truth. So yeah, I can worry about it when I'm face to face with it. I can resolve it when I'm face to face with it. But I don't have to carry it around with me until that time occurs, until that time presents itself. So it allows us to have a method of freeing ourselves up, of lightening our burden, so that we don't have to feel heavy and oppressed and diminished every moment of our lives. And the better we feel by lightening our burden, the more inspired we are to lighten our burden because it feels good not to have all of these things carrying it around on our shoulders, on our back. What if this? What if that? What happens next Wednesday? The things that we usually do. So, going back to the Sutta 10, the foundations of mindfulness, This is what we're talking about, awareness. Living in, being, having as a refuge, awareness, present moment awareness, right now, right here. The foundations of mindfulness, present moment awareness. It says, this is the direct path for the purification of beings for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of pain and grief, for the attainment of the true way. Mindfulness. Being aware in present moment reality. Simple. Just being here. Not being anyplace else. Just being right here. Now, there's one other condition that qualifies mindfulness. Because once I'm aware of what is in the present moment, I also have to have a steady state of mind about it. I have to have an acceptance of it, that I don't want to change it. I don't want to transform it. I don't want to make it different. That I am obliging the present moment with my presence, with total acceptance of what it is. Why is that? It's not about defeatism. It's about acknowledging the truth. That what I am aware of in this moment is the truth of this moment. All of the yeses and noes, all of the uglinesses and the prettinesses, all of the things that I would rather, that I consider missing, that I would rather have, all of the things that are there that I wish would go away, all of that is truth. And when I implore my reality in my friends, in my family, in my partners, to do one thing for me, to give me one thing, and that's truthfulness. 
That's all we ask everyone to do. The politicians, our family members, our partners, our children. Just be truthful. Just tell me the truth. Well, when we reside in the present moment with awareness, that's all we see. That's what we get. Truth. And our resistance to that, if it's there, can be identified as this. I don't want the truth. I want something else. Lie to me. Tell me that this is the best thing ever. Do you see how we set ourselves up? Do you see how we can free ourselves from the setup? Oh, I was going to read something else. The instructions for establishing mindfulness by being aware of objects that will create the foundations for mindfulness. It says, first of all, they say there are four foundations of mindfulness. There are four objects to be aware of that will establish mindfulness. What are the four or how do we approach? How do we utilize the four? It says, we abide contemplating Abide. Abide means to wait. Contemplate. View with continued attention. Just waiting, just being there. Viewing the external, the world, the reality of existence with continued attention. So. Fully aware, having realization, perception, and knowledge. And the last one is mindful, inclined to be aware. So here we go with this aware thing again. And all it's simply saying to us is that we must be in the present moment with continued attention. In other words, paying attention to what is right now. When we're paying attention to it, when we are aware of it, our mind is totally captured by the awareness of the subject. There is no room. I cannot focus on two things at the same time. I cannot hear and smell. I cannot taste and touch. I cannot think and do any of the other things that I do with the sense gates when I'm totally aware, paying attention to the present moment. 
I don't have time. I can't have time. I do not have time to think about anything else. So, it's that simple. That's all you have to do. And all of your disturbances, except for what's real right now, right here, will not exist for you. That means you'll only have two things to deal with instead of 12. Okay, any questions? Something that comes up in my mind listening to your discourse is that there are things that can hurt us even if they're not in our consciousness and what I would put forward as an example of that is nuclear weapons. So can great whites. You know, so can nine millimeters. But what we can do is to use this moment of awareness, this moment of centeredness, this moment of being or isness, to watch how the mind presents obstacles to our release from suffering. So, when the mind offers me a suggestion that says, oh, you can't stop worrying about nuclear destruction, it's telling me that I can never be free from suffering. This is a ploy of the ego because it's ego-driven, egocentric to worry and be fearful of my existence. The truth is that right now I don't have to think about North Korea or India or Pakistan or a terrorist somewhere getting a dirty nuclear device. Because why worry about that? Because when that happens, if that happens, I can't do anything about it anyway. The whole point, in my opinion, of learning this process of mindfulness, of absence of suffering, voidness of suffering and agitation, is that what I learn to do is to have a good day today. And I can't do anything about flooding or lightning or volcanoes or North Koreans or Ku Klux Klansmen. I can't do anything about any of those. I can't do anything about the people who hate me. who are bent on destruction. But what I can do is have a good day today. Knowing that there's all types of possibilities that might rear their heads up tomorrow. But why worry about tomorrow when I've got right now to enjoy?
And it begins to help us to see, number one, that we have choices about where we want to reside in our reality. Do I want to do right now where there is no problem? Or do I want to make a problem for when there is a problem going to happen? Yeah? I used to live in a condominium up outside of Washington, D.C. And there was a guy that got on the elevator every time he said, hey, good morning, what's that? Oh, it's a terrible day. <laughs> I mean, it got, it got so bad. When, you, when I went down the hall to get in the elevator and I saw him coming, I turned back around and like pat my pockets just, you know, to go back in the house to look for my keys. I just didn't want to be with him. Because he would always want to rain on the parade. I always want to bring rain to the sunshine of this moment. And that's all we've got is this moment. And yeah, it's true. But no, it isn't happening. Which reality do I want to live in? The make-believe reality? Or the one that's true, the one that's here, the one that I can touch and taste and smell? Okay, so remember I said it's easy or it's simple. That's what I said. It's simple. It's just that simple. But it's not easy because we have these forces, these ingrained forces that try to pull us back into the fight. You know, we say, I don't want to fight anymore. I'm tired of struggling with life. I just want to enjoy it. And it's always trying to reel us back in again. So be aware be there with that thought that says, yeah, but, you know, a snapping turtle is going to come up and get me, you know, and go, oh, I'm not going to pay attention to that. It's not here. When it catches me, it'll eat me, but it doesn't, it's not here right this moment. And this is the way we have to have conversations with ourselves until there is no self to have a conversation with. Okay. Thank you. Just to add to that a little bit, it's like sure. that doesn't mean that in November you can't go vote. That's true. Change the world. If you think that's the answer. So, so again, that's good for a moment. Hold on for that. You know, and for some people, voting in November is the answer to their, is the solution to all of their ills. Yeah, you know what I mean? You understand? My reality is the solution for all your ills is not to suffer and not to ruin the day you have trying to change reality into something that's acceptable. But it is about changing yourself and changing your mind and understanding that there's always going to be trumps just like there are always going to be Obamas. And for all of us who were, I mean, just ecstatic when Obama was elected, just jumping up and down and clicking our heels and drinking champagne, there were people who had the blues about Obama being elected. And that's why we got Trump now. But we, those cycles are there. You know, that's what I'm saying. See, See the cycle, see the truth, see how it really works. 
Does it ever work when I try to fix the world or make it okay? No. Never does. But that's just the part of Samsara. That's the truth of Samsara. That there's always impermanence. There's always going to be people who like me. And there's always going to be people who don't like me. No matter how, try, how hard I try to be a sweetheart. They're going to find fault. They're going to want me to go. They're going to lie. They're going to misrepresent me. Always. I can't fix my world by fixing my world. I've got to fix my world by fixing my mind and my heart. Okay, thank you. And I agree, go out and vote. It is important. But also reside in mindfulness. Sorry, Frank. I <clears throat> I appreciate what you were saying about um, dragging our memories along. Mm -hmm. What's going on between our two ears, the drama, um, reconstructing something from the past. The ego does that just to keep mm -hmm. us... Or the future. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But not right now. Right. That's the one place that ego is powerless. Right now. Right. It can't it can't tell us a lie about right now because we're right here with it. Yeah? Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's that's all. I'm just gonna kinda tag on that maybe in that moment that you're having that fear of nuclear attack and you go back to the Ronald Reagan Star Wars era and you're having a fear about political and things that are so macroscopically out of your range, then maybe tighten up the lens and the view. Go walk a dog at the Humane Society. Go to the NICU and go rock babies. Come to my classroom and hang out with my kids and scope into what you are able to do as an individual versus the fear of what is so far beyond your realm that you're already in a sense of overwhelm. And that's a way to bring that kind of mindfulness to fruition and action and be the kind of change that clearly is intentional and functional and purposeful. There's a lot of really lonely people and dogs and cats and kids, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Go go do something that you can do to make it right versus obsess about what you can't. That's what we're talking about. Awesome. Thank you so much. I just wanted to make sure that you that I understood what you said about being present with the ego all the time. So there is no future thinking, no past thinking you're always with the ego does that help the ego then not to make funky things when you go into the past or when you go to the future because you're you're companioning it at some level if i understand that correctly what <laughs> No separation. 
Where where does the ego exist in perception, in memory? So I can only reside with the ego when I'm in the past or I'm in the future. There's only truth in the moment. And that is, in, that is constructed and presented by the moment. And my willingness to be in the moment with undivided and unfocused attention. When I'm paying attention to what is here, I'm not paying attention to me about what I want to be here and what I what I don't want to be here. I'm just embracing and accepting and being okay with the isness of the moment, the truth of the moment. There's no ego there. Okay? And that's what you'll discover. It's like, whoa, this feels different, feels better. Then that's the ego again. In my opinion, we live in a world with a tremendous amount of uh, structural inequality and oppression. And I think we should act from a point of clarity and um, freedom. But I think we should consider being a social activist. For example, what if Mahatma Gandhi had contented himself to care for snapping turtles? rather than a lifetime of dramatic activism that's really changed our regard for nonviolence as an effective social tool. I agree with you 100%. And there is no dialogue that I offer that denies a person their right to spend their day just as they think they should. I'm just saying that that's not everybody's day. So as effective as we might be in changing things. That's not everybody's stick. So we should love everybody enough to embrace, applaud, and support what it is that each individual has come here to offer the rest of us. If everybody's works on the same item in the category, then the rest of the stuff don't get done. What's so beautiful about diversity is that everybody doesn't want to do the same thing. Everybody doesn't see the same omission or commission as the thing to work on and change. And that way we get lots of things done. We feed the hungry. We feed the snapping turtles. We pet the white, great whites, we, you know, we, we also slay the windmills and the villains, yeah? But that's because we are allowing everyone to respond in the way that they are inspired to respond. Sometimes our righteousness 
wants everyone to join our army. You know, because it's it's it'll, it's the it's the answer. You know, it's it's the thing to do. But when we applaud and support everyone in their magnitude, whether it, in our opinion it's not much or it's overwhelmingly superior and enforceful. That's, that's what America's about, isn't it? That's how we overcome the injustices of the world. Thank you. So there's a story of a starfish and all these starfish are scattered across the beach and I'm sure many of you have heard this and somebody's walking by and randomly picking up starfish and throwing them back in the ocean and somebody else comes by and says, what are you doing? He says, I'm throwing fish back, a starfish back in the ocean. Would you like to help me? And he said, you'll never save them all. Won't make a difference. And he picks one up, puts it back in the water and said, it made a big difference to this one. I, just I would, like your smile, by the way. Oh, well, thank you. I like your smile, too. <laughs> uh, just to get back to kind of what you began talking about and that my experience that I had over the last few days with Hurricane Florence. Mm -hmm. And uh, when she was a number four coming right at us out in the ocean, I woke up one morning, turned on the TV, and I began to feel the anxiety and the fear. And my first thought was to change the channel, to put on a comedy, to do, or else to read my uh, murder mystery that I was reading. Mm -hmm. And then um, I thought, no, I'm going to stay with what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was feeling a lot of fear, and I was scared. And... Um, I just began to realize from the teachings that I was not this fear. Mm -hmm. I was feeling it, but that wasn't who I was. Because you can't be the subject. Right. Mm -hmm. And the more I did that, the more I began to relax. Mm -hmm. And once I began to relax, it kind of the fear dissipated. Mm -hmm. It that did come back, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's what it does, doesn't it? It comes back to see if it can sneak up on us and... See, I'm not really a snapping turtle, you know. I'm really a fuzzy little puppy. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's not going to go away because we wish it to go away on Tuesday. It's going to keep coming back and, uh, and trying to sneak in and assault us from different angles. Disguises, you know. But eventually, be through your practice, you'll say, oh, I see you. I recognize you from last Wednesday. I'm not going to pay any attention to you. I'm not going to listen to you. Yeah. And it becomes fun. There's no angst there. Because we realize that that's just life trying to fool us again. Or not, nah, let me change that. That's ego trying to fool us again. Okay. Everybody's good? Just a oh, <laughs> please. Just a comment. Your teaching just brought to mind uh, the idea that to do what you're, you're saying, to be in the moment, to, to practice being in the moment, 
is like an ultimate form of surrender is the way it feels to me. Mm-hmm. Because you're really surrendering to the moment is the great unknown. Mm-hmm. Allowing that in mm-hmm. feels like risky. <laughs> yeah, it does. Scary, huh? Yeah. Because I'm, I can be the gatekeeper. I can protect myself. Well, that's, that's the illusion right there, isn't it? You can't. But what you can do is choose to live in this moment with as much happiness and love and compassion as you can possibly muster. We are all aware that our existence is so unpredictable. You know, we see that, I mean, we just see that from the hurricane. Right? And that now there's eight people who were here before the hurricane who are not here now. Who chose to stay and a tree fell on their house. I mean, go figure. You know, they look at the house and say, well, I'm in pretty good shape. The floodwaters are not going to get in. I got sandbags around. I got water. I got a generator. And the tree falls on. You just don't know. That's the message. No matter what you are afraid of, what's most likely is going to get you is something you never thought about. So what's the antidote to that? I can run around and try to make everything childproof. I can try to make the world childproof so that nothing will get me. Nothing will hurt me. I can do that. Oh, I can make a commitment just to live the day I have with all of the extreme love and compassion that I can find in my pockets, that I can find under the sofa cushions, that I can borrow from other people. And what we find is when we are able to live our day that way, when nighttime comes and darkness falls and that monster comes out the closet to take us away, we'll go. I had such a great day. Come on. I'm ready to go. I have no regrets because I've used the day. I've squeezed every bit of juice out of the moment. I have nothing left to do. I've called everybody I know and said, I love you. I appreciate you. I have nothing else to do. I have no more phone calls to make. Take me. I'm ready. And when we can go to bed each night with that attitude, we've lived our day in splendor. That's the energy for me. Yes. You know, we often forgot that we're in a continuous improvisation and this improv theater. And we think that we know what's going to happen in the next moment or things like that. But if you're really looking at the present moment, it is so unknown and it's so fresh that we actually, you know, continuously that it, this improv, but when we watch improv theater, we're just not thinking that's how our, our life is. Mm-hmm. But 
when you're really focusing in the moment, it is so new that you really don't know what to do until something come up or something. Mm-hmm. So I just look at it as, uh, you know, the improv theater. Thank you. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Thank you. Okay. Let's go inside and be with awareness. Let's go inside being aware of awareness. Let's go inside and see what's inside. Now, before we do that, let's think for a moment about the others. It's, it's, just, it's just so much craziness going on. You know the explode, gas explosions up in Massachusetts? All of the destruction down here in the Carolinas. People still not recovering from the last flood, the last hurricane, and here they've got another one. One of the things that works for me when I'm inclined to listen to the ego voice that says, oh, this is terrible, is to take one moment to look around and see someone else who I had never changed positions with in a heartbeat to remind myself, no, they're, they're much worse off than I even think my day is all about. And that's not to rejoice in their suffering. That's just to rejoice in my good fortune. and be thankful that for whatever reason my karma today has been weighed on the scale and I've received goodness. Manafort, so many other guys, I can't even think of their names. Papadopoulos, They're not happy campers right now. Would I want to change places with them? Is my life so bad? No. No. No, I am grateful. So when I can wake up in the morning and be grateful, I always find something to be grateful for. So I direct my mind with love and gratitude. And it always finds things to be loving and grateful for and to. When I feed the mind with lack, with fear, then I find something to be fearful of. Now that whole thing about which came first. I've always said that when I think I'm going to have a bad day, I have a bad day. Because something in my day is going to support that thought, that theory. Okay. 
for a moment, let's just send some love and compassion to anyone in the world you want to. Anyone in the world you think needs some love from you, needs some compassion from you, wherever they are, prison, Syria, Korea, the Carolinas, anywhere. We're going to just give them some good stuff. Okay, let's stop the thinking, the projection, and just be with the moment, having awareness of the present moment, being in the void of everything that does not exist in this present moment, but what is here. The Dharma Hall, the Dharma Kings, who are you guys, all of the love, all of the gratitude, all of the wisdom, None of the fear, none of the hopelessness, only the expressions of good life. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.